When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Took the week off because I had to uh, attend some other business for our sister company, Outsider, in Nashville. And of course, uh, just happened to coincide with one of the busiest weeks in Georgia recruiting. Uh, I don't want to say history, but certainly for this class. So uh, Jake Roos is going to get you caught up to speed on that. Palmer Tom is going to catch you up on what he's been working on um, and what we're looking ahead to for the dogs. And uh, Jake, we'll just start with you, man. Let's not, uh, let's not waste any time. Several commitments since the last time we spoke uh, a couple weeks back. What is your takeaway from what Kirby Smart and the gang have going on right now this summer? Well, it's a great sign. I mean, uh, it's clear that official visits are doing what they're supposed to do. These kids are seeing what they need to see. The staff is still effective and recruiting uh, at the highest level. And I mean, it's not much more you can ask, right? Um, of course, the day that we would record last time, uh, uh, we get a commitment that day uh, in A.J. Harris. Um, and, you know, I, that's a guy that really kind of the pendulum swung around on for a long time. Florida was a big consideration. We thought that was probably where he was going to land. I mean, if you would have asked anybody, I think in February, that's what they would have said about A.J. Harris. <coughs> Instead, Fran Brown's able to get him on campus, build that relationship, and uh, George ends up winning out for the kid uh, originally from the Peach State. Um, he's got several friends in this class. He's really tight with Pierce Sperlin. They've known each other for a long time. So, you know, there were a lot of factors that went into it. But um, Harris, uh, Georgia's highest rated commit now in this class and a, a guy that they definitely wanted. Um, you know, I think that it'll be one of those that they have to continue to fight to the end for. Um, you know, other teams are going to continue to come after him. Um, but overall you got to be happy with the pickup uh the nation's number 35 overall player in the on three consensus so uh just outside of that five-star range uh, that we're used to seeing right there <clears throat> where he lands at the next level uh whether that be corner or safety to tbd in my opinion um but uh make no mistake about it he's a guy who can make an impact uh, in the secondary uh, Going to get to some uh, sound from Aaron Murray. Spoke with him at the Extra Special People Golf uh, Charity event earlier this week and play his interview in full and uh, some really good insight about Arch Manning and Georgia's quarterback room. And I want to hear from both of you guys about that. But, you know, Jake, since we spoke, uh, Arch committed to Texas. And that was a pretty wild day, kind of out of the blue. You know, what did you heard about that, uh, about his decision, about what his family was thinking, about what Arch was thinking? Seems like he knows where he wants to go. Could anything change his opinion or change his decision, I should say? Uh, don't wish that on me, Wes. Uh, please don't. Please don't <laughs> make me have to track that again. Uh, I don't think so. I, I don't think that this is a situation. Look, the kid, uh, you know, for, for all of the hype that we gave him as the media – 
he avoided the media pretty strongly, uh, as strongly as about anybody has in the, this recruiting game, and um, especially a kid of his stature and, and his uh, his presence. So um, I, I can't see a situation where he wants to throw this all back into the blender and, and just go through the, all that again. Um, and, you know, I think in the end, I, I think it was the, the, the quarterback development that went out, to be honest with you. I think that he, he looks, he's looked at what Steve Sarkeesian's done versus what Todd Munkin's done. And, I mean, you know, there, I'm not, that's not a knock on Munkin, but the specialty of Steve Sarkeesian, a former quarterback, mind you, is quarterback work. Um, that's I, – I, I think I said this a couple episodes back. If he were a linebacker, I think he would have come to play for Kirby Smart. Uh, but he's a quarterback, and uh, you want to play for a guy that you feel like can develop you the furthest. And I think, too, there's something to be said for the savior identity at, at Texas. I think that uh, you, you resurrect a program like that, that's going to really change the trajectory of your life, even if you already have a changed trajectory by virtue of being a Manning. So um, I think that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of factors that went into it. Um, I can't say I was too surprised that he chose Texas in the end. The timing, I think, was a bit surprising. I don't know that anybody was necessarily expecting that. But, um, you know, look, Georgia's continued to uh, to rack up commits. Uh, C.J. Allen came into the fold. Uh, with, uh, Peyton Woodring, the kicker. I know that doesn't take the sting off of Archer Manning necessarily to pick up a specialist. But, um, you know, I think that uh, – there's, there's still a lot of meat on the bone in this class for Georgia, and uh, the quarterback room, I think, is in great shape, and I, I know Palmer can speak to that as well. Yeah, Palmer, looking ahead to 23, when Arch would have been a freshman at Georgia, uh, will be a freshman at Texas, assuming everything holds serve. Uh, you're talking Brock Vandergrift, Carson Beck, assuming no one transfers, and uh, Gunnar Stockton, potentially someone from the transfer portal, maybe a, you know a quarterback insurance signee out of the 23 class i mean it's a pretty stacked quarterback room arch manning would have made it even more stacked but how do you feel like georgia fans should should look at what the dogs have at qb in 2023 yeah i mean it's certainly one of the questions that we get asked quite a bit um you know during that arch commitment or during that arch recruitment and following it People have said, you know, oh, what does Georgia's quarterback room look like in 2023? Because I think everyone assumes that Stetson is going to be the starter all throughout 2022. He burns his last year of eligibility, and and you head into 2023 with a fresh slate. Um, you know, I, I the way I look at it is like you said, if if nobody leaves, they've got three quality quarterbacks. Kirby has expressed his his confidence in the, those three, um, along with Stetson. He, he's incredibly confident in the quarterback room that they have for this year, which means that he would be even more confident in the quarterback room that they have for the next year, um, you know, with, with a, a year of experience under those very talented players' belts. Um, you know, I, I think the way that Georgia is probably going to approach it, and I've talked to Jake about this, um, you know, w- with the recruiting class, is I'm not sure whether Georgia's going to end up taking a quarterback in 23 anymore. Um, you know, they, they went all in on Arch and, and maybe have burned some bridges in that class. Uh, you know, they're certainly not in as many recruitments as, as some of these other schools are. And so, you know, the way I see it is that they are going to, uh, you know, probably write it out. And, and if, if one of those guys transfers, uh, you know, be it Beck or Brock or, uh, or Gunner, um, you know, I, I think that, 
if one of those guys transfers, then they're looking at a situation where they have to go get somebody via the transfer portal to come in and compete for a starting job or somebody just for depth purposes. Uh, but if they, if none of those guys leave, if all three of those guys are there next spring, I think you're going to see all three competing for the starting job. Yeah, uh, Jake, would that surprise you to see Georgia just totally skip out on a on taking a QB in 23? No, uh, and uh, as of right now, I'm not projecting that they will take a quarterback. There's not a clear name out there. I mean, there's just not a guy. Now, I do think that there's a possible scenario where you look later down the line, you see how these senior years pan out, what kind of tape people are able to put together. Um, you know, do you find out about a transfer after the season and decide that you want to maybe revisit one of these? I know Palmer talked about that with me yesterday, the idea of, you know, you find out, okay, in the postseason that one of those three guys is leaving. Maybe then you revisit the high school ranks and go out and find yourself a, a, a gym in the rough. But, uh, you know, right now I, I don't think that there's a lot of need. I think that they feel confident in who they have on campus. Listen, I mean, Arch – is an amazing player, and I think he will be an amazing player. But I think that part of why you had to recruit Arch the way that you did was because of the name and what it would bring in terms of the spotlight. I mean, not that Georgia's lacking Yeah, for you it, can't not try. I, I mean, it, Georgia's not lacking for spotlight, but at the same time, this kid brings a whole other element, and he brings a whole other group of recruits. Uh, Texas has been on fire since Arch Manning committed. Um, reeling in just top player after top player. And so, you know, it shapes things a lot more than just the quarterback room. And I think that that was as important in Georgia's recruitment of Arch Manning as, as his abilities under center. Uh, Palmer, you and I have written a little bit about um, Kirby Smart's appearance on the Crane and Company show. Uh, has some pretty interesting insights from Kirby there. We haven't heard a lot from him over the past couple weeks, so... Anything he says is going to be like rabbit ears for us and for our <laughs> readers. What stood out to you the most? Um, I, I liked his comments about the tight ends personally. I, I'm just excited to see how it looks. And I'm, I'm gearing up uh, and kind of getting anxious to see how Georgia's offense looks. But what stood out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, I think while we're on the topic of quarterbacks, let's let's continue on with it and talk about what Kirby had to say about the quarterbacks. Um, you know, he, he said, I would easily say this is the best when you take a picture of the whole room, top to bottom, those four guys that are going to be in that quarterback room during fall camp, the most depth that we've ever had. And I think that, that you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with that, with, you know, their approach to this class of 2023 and the 2023 quarterback race they feel confident in those guys um you know he, he said that you know brock has now been through some spring games now carson has been through a couple spring games now uh both those guys have been played in too uh gunner you know he he said obviously you know we know what stetson uh you know brings to the table he played in a lot of football games uh from what we saw last year gunner had some promising stuff during the spring as well um, you know, what, what does he want to continue to see from those quarterbacks? Well, they're, they're putting those guys in situations where they have to uh, lead, whether that's the team. Um, you know, I think that they're probably putting, some, you know, Gunner in, in not necessarily in as many team leadership situations as they are Stetson, for, uh, for example. But I think what he said is we've tried to put those four guys in front of the team, maybe even in front of their individual age groups. Uh, you know, it's a unique situation where, you know, not many positions do you have a, a clear definition of this guy is this class, this guy is this class. You know, 
the 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 you know pecking order of sorts uh, when it comes to age, and and you can put you know those four guys in four different you know age classes, you know senior, junior, sophomore, freshman, um, and, and I think that you know that that is an interesting way that he said that they've kind of handled developing all those guys that he that they're going to develop gunner just as much as they are stetson but they're going to do that with you know with the freshmen that he gunner's going to you know play on the freshman team of sorts uh you know brock and and is going to be on the sophomore team carson on so the they junior almost have team. like a jv <laughs> like a freshman jv mindset I, exactly and and i don't know you know that's obviously you mix things up in the spring you mix things up in the summer um, you know, I think when they're probably doing seven on seven type stuff, maybe that's how they approach it. Um, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing with all those guys is with that depth, you want to get all four of those guys reps. Um, because, you know, like we said, after this season, Stetson's gone and one of those three guys, uh, Brock Carson and Gunner is, is going to have to be your starter, um, more than likely in 2023. And so, you know, the, they're certainly going to be competing for that spot. So you want them to be developed and comfortable going into that spring where they're going to be competing. So, you know, th- that certainly stood out. Like you said, the tight end comments stood out to me as well. Um, I-, I think that it was interesting to hear him talk about uh, the way that they are feel confident that they can use all of these tight end weapons, uh, you know, from Brock Bowers, obviously, uh, but down to Oscar Delp. Um, you know, I-, I think that they feel confident that they can utilize the skill sets of Bowers, Washington, Gilbert, Delp, all four of those guys, even, you know, if you want to go past those four, uh, you know, those, those are the, you know, premier four recruits, but I think Brett Scyther and Ryland Godey as well, um, certainly two guys that are older in that system and, and have been around the program. Seether had uh, a lot of opportunity this spring, uh, you know, with, with Bowers out, with Washington out, with Gilbert coming along, with Delp being a freshman, uh, there there were certainly opportunities for those guys this spring, and, and so you know I, I think Kirby feels confident in all four of those guys. Again, uh, you know, very similar to that quarterback room. Uh, I, I just think that you're going to get to see those tight ends play a lot more than you will all four of those quarterbacks. I, I think that they feel confident in what Todd Hartley and Todd Munkin can scheme up offensively, and they're going to be able to use all those guys because they have so many. Uh, different skill sets in that position group yeah coach Hartley uh just got a raise and extension since we recorded last as well very well deserved um and Palmer you just wrote about a feature that on three has called uh they remind it reminds us of and it compares like a current player recruit uh and their scouting profile to a different player Jake I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who does Delp remind you of? We've seen a little bit of them already at G-Day. Is there anyone that you can compare Oscar Delp to uh, for his career coming in as a freshman? Yeah, he reminds me of Brock Bowers. I mean, that's that's, that's a pretty good comparison. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I, I've said that pretty much throughout his recruitment. The difference is... I, the difference is he's bigger. I mean, he's a taller version of Brock Bowers, but he's similarly fast, got similarly excellent hands, great build. I mean, he's built to take punishment. He's not, you know, there's, uh, there can be, you can be a little skinny to be playing tight end. Uh, you know, Pierce Spurlin is a guy who's going to have to put some weight on when he hits campus uh, to really kind of flesh it out and, and, you know, be ready for the abuse that you're going to take from some of these linebackers in the SEC. 
Delft's pretty well built right right now, and um, I think that it's a situation where uh, he'll be fine moving forward. I think, uh, you know, listen, I, I don't mean to put that on anybody. I mean, Bowers' freshman year was so special um, that it's going to be tough for anybody to replicate it. But from a, but from a skill, uh, skill standpoint, I, I think that he has that kind of upside, no question about it. I'm never going to forget uh, listening to 680 680- the fan uh, Atlanta station, if you're listening from outside of the Atlanta area and David Pollock was on one of the shows and it was leading up to the Clemson game. And they asked him which guy was going to make the biggest impact in the game. And he's the only guy that I remember saying Brock Bowers. And obviously he had access to practice. that A lot of people don't have, and, and he kind of had that inside track, but it kind of surprised me to hear that. I didn't really think too much about it. And then lo and behold, you go out in the Clemson game and Brock's like the number one target almost, certainly it tied in. And, uh, you know, at the time Darnell Washington was injured and, and it seemed like, okay, maybe Brock's just stepping up. But once Darnell comes back, Brock will take a, a lower role. That's not what happened at all. So I fully trust Hartley, Munkin, all the above, to be able to develop and use another freshman tight end. Um, and, and Delp certainly has a great opportunity there. Um, so, guys, the ESPYs released their list of nominees. I don't know how you feel about the ESPYs. I kind of feel like it's just the made-for-TV, you know, nowadays made-for-social-media event. But they have the best team nominees out, and it's basically all the champions and all the big sports from the past year, they lump them all together. But the Dogs and the Braves are both up for the award. And I've had a lot of feedback. I asked people on Twitter yesterday, which team do you think is the best team? And I think it depends on what you define as the best team. I want to hear what you guys think about that. I'll let you think about it. I'll share what I think. I think there's a big difference between the best team and the best story. I have a Braves hat on my head today. I still feel like Georgia was a better team. Maybe the Braves were a better story. And obviously they were both great stories. They both broke championship droughts. But in the in the context of the season specifically, Braves might have been a better story. They came back, they struggled, they didn't have Ronald Acuna Jr., all the above. But Georgia was just so dominant, it's hard for me to not say that they were the better team. Do y'all have any case against that am i am i off off the mark or or are you thinking the same thing well i don't care about baseball first off so i I really don't (laughs) obviously i'm biased so we know your answer i'm biased (laughs) but i think too i mean look if you're the with the criteria of best team right georgia set an nfl draft record this year i mean that's that's not something that happens every day. And so I think that you have to take that into account when you're evaluating the team because that makes this a truly historic team. I mean, I, I think by any measure, no matter how you slice it up, okay, you got a championship. Well, now you've also set a record that many people thought unattainable or, or would be incredibly difficult to ever reach. Um, so I, for those two reasons, I, I think Georgia probably, or for that reason alone, I think Georgia probably – gets the nod uh, for, uh, for for best team. But again, like I said, I, I'm incredibly biased here. So are we talking about best team just between those two or best team well, overall? Because I agree with y'all. I think that Georgia was the best, better team 
between those two uh, with the Braves and the and the Bulldogs. Um, I, I, honestly, I don't know if they are a if the Braves are a better story. Um, you know, because I think that Georgia breaking that championship drought. Um, you know, a, a longer championship drought, doing it in the way that they did with with a walk on former walk on quarterback. I mean, that's a that's a Disney movie story right there. Uh, but it, I don't know that I would have Georgia or the Braves uh, as as the winner of the award. Well, who's uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna like place my bets on Georgia or the Braves winning this award because you've got the Rams up for it. Uh, a lot of people in my mentions were saying, yeah, th- this is great, Wes, but you know one of the California teams, the Golden State Warriors or the Rams, are going to win this award. So I, I don't know who's going to actually win it. I don't know that either one it. of them should win it. I, I've got a different one that I think should win it. It's, oh, what, what are you going to say, a soccer team? It's Oklahoma softball. I mean, they went 59-3, <laughs> and three, guys. They dominated their way yeah, through that they're, schedule. Yeah, they're definitely going to win. They were 38-0. I think we all know they're going to win. They were 38-0. and 0. They went fifty nine and three. Their margin of average margin of victory was insane. I mean, the three games that they lost, they lost to Texas. Uh, they lost to Texas four to two. Well, they had just run ruled Texas the day before, and they beat Texas in the College World Series to win the national championship, sixteen to one and ten to five. They lost to UCLA in the College World Series. The next day, they come back to beat them fifteen to nothing. Uh, it was insane what they did. Uh, if throughout it, if that it schedule. tells you, if it tells you how myopic my view of the sports world is, uh, I'm hearing all of that for the first time. I, I had no idea. <laughs> I had I had no idea yeah, about Palmer's any of taking that. us to school here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I covered Georgia football recruiting and Georgia football. That's about all I know about, to be honest with you. So <laughs> it's a it's a fun debate. Um, you know, the playing fields are not level. It's not the same. For any of these teams, I mean, comparing a hockey team to a college softball team is kind of crazy. But uh, it's a fun debate, and uh, it got my my follower base talking because a lot of them didn't want to have to choose, but they had some pretty compelling reasons. Some of them, some of them used the same talking point: the fact that the Braves came back, or the fact that the Braves were terrible and then came back and won it, versus the fact that Georgia was dominant the whole year. People use that same argument to justify different teams, so that was funny to me. Yeah. There's just there's no way to really settle that debate. Fun one to have with your buddies over the weekend uh, while you're sipping on a couple cold pops for Independence Day, uh, guys. This has been great. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and on the other side of this, we'll have a uh, conversation that I had with Aaron Murray, talking about Arch Manning, talking about Georgia quarterbacks and tight ends and talking a little bit about his involvement with NIL and NFTs. A lot of abbreviations these days that people are confused about, so maybe Aaron can can clear things up. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I'm here with uh, Aaron Murray. Aaron, we got a pretty good deal with the ESP uh, charity tournament today. 
Can you just tell me, like, I know you've been involved with ESP for a while. What got you involved originally? Yeah, so uh, I, I was very fortunate enough that uh, during my time in high school, our program, our high school had a program for kids with both mental and physical disabilities and just love interacting with them, you know, to have lunch with them, um, you know, do activities, and it was just a great time. So when I got to Georgia, I was like, man, I want to be able to find some sort of organization to continue this work and uh, found ESP, linked up with Laura Whitaker, who, who runs the, the, the whole show and uh, just fell in love with these kids. So, you know, started working with them uh, with their Big Hearts pageant, which if you don't know about it, make sure you check it out. It's an amazing event that happens every fe uh, February and January, beginning of February. Uh, it's a talent show. So I was an escort at first, you know, escorting the kids on stage, really helping them get excited and, and juice before they get out there in front of thousands of people uh, to do their talent. Uh, now I'm, I MC the event with my brother and this is our third year doing the golf tournament. So just really love these kids, love working with them, uh, love what they're doing. And uh, they've had some big news these past month, uh, just finished their, their baseball field. Uh, so all these kids can go out there and play some baseball and have some good, fun, good time doing it. They love their Georgia quarterbacks up there, man. Um, so as far as Georgia quarterbacks right now go, obviously Georgia missed out on the commitment of Arch Manning. Mm. And your opinion, on a scale of one to 10, how bummed should Georgia fans be about that? Oh, I mean, I guess like a six. You know, I would say a six. I, I, it's not the end of the world. As we know, they are loaded with the quarterback spot, and there's a lot of good competition in that room right now. You know, I'm excited to see what Setson can do this year. I think giving Setson this first opportunity to get the starting reps in spring and summer and fall camp, and then the receivers that he has around him, uh, you know, with Kiaris and McConkey and A.D. Mitchell, uh, if those guys can stay healthy along with that amazing tight end room, I think this offense can be a lot of fun to watch. And then next year, Man, we got some, we got some, we got some, some dudes in there that can fling the rock and, and, and have some fun doing it. So, not too stressed. You always love depth, you love competition. But I think Kirby's hit it here in the past couple of weeks. They have, you know, I think the deepest room that I've seen at Georgia have that quarterback spot in a long, long time. So that's why I said five or six. It'd be, it would have been great to add them, um, but I think we're in a really good spot right now with who the guys we have. Um, speaking of speaking of deep rooms, you know, Kirby's talked about how Munkin likes to use the strength of the team. Right now, I don't know if there's any strength other than tight end that's like clear in a way the best. Can you kind of envision offensively, schematically, what an offense that looks like that could do oh, without my, any tight ends? I love it. I think the tight end is, is the best position you can use nowadays, especially with those guys that are, you know, that basketball build, you can flex them out, you can move them around. I mean, just think about it. You come out there in 13 personnel, you know, three tight ends, one receiver, one back. A defense has to declare what do they want to do. Do they want to stay in base defense? So three linebackers and four DBs. All right, if you want to do that, then I could split Bowers out, get him matched up against a safety or linebacker. If I'm Stetson, I get that matchup, I'm going to take that every single time. All right, you want to come out there and nickel? You want to take one of those linebackers out and put an extra DB? We'll get big. We'll play big boy ball. You bring those tight ends in, and then you just pound the rock against a defense that doesn't have as much size because of the fact that they brought nickel in there. So I think you can really play to the strength of those guys. They're able to block, they're able to flex out, they're able to match up against linebackers and safeties. Uh, you see in the NFL, obviously we saw it last year with Bowers. You get those three guys doing it, I think as an offensive coordinator, uh, you can have a lot of fun with, with formations and, and shifts and motions uh, to really have an advantage on the defense. A couple more uh, questions for you. So with Stetson, I mean, obviously he doesn't have the acclaim of being the five-star guy, of, of all that comes with that. but. Looking at what he meant for Georgia's offense last season and looking at the experience he brings back and knowing the system with Munkin, I mean, how, how do you assess 
what he does for Georgia's offense, even for people that don't really value or understand why he's so good? Well, I think the leadership is the biggest thing with Stetson, and he is such a competitor. He's a hell of a leader. Uh, guys on the team trust him, and I always tell people, you know, yes, you want the guy that's 6'5 and can throw the ball a country mile. Like, I wish I was 6'5 and could throw the ball a mile, and it would be, you know, I may still be in the NFL, but um, you love the guy that makes everyone around him better, and that's what Stetson does. I mean, guys around him trust him. They trust that he's going to put them in the right situation with the checks, um, with the blitz pickups. And if everyone around, those 10 guys around him have confidence and they play at a higher level because Stetson exudes that confidence, uh, as an offense, you're going to be more efficient. As a defense, you're going to be more efficient. So I think right now, to me, there's, there's Stetson is one of the, the hardest workers I know, one of the best competitors I know, and, and one of the best leaders I know. And to me... I'd rather have a quarterback that has all those traits than someone who doesn't, who can just throw the ball a mile. So I think Seth is in a good spot this year to really take another step forward. Plus, man, I think he can make all the throws. You know, when I watch Stetson, there's not a throw that he can't make. You throw in his ability to run. You know, the only thing that I want Stetson to work on this year, which is kind of a, a tough balance, is just that, that Brett Favre mentality of trying to feel like he can make every single throw. Sometimes the defense is going to win. They got scholarship dudes, they got DCs that you know make millions of dollars. They are going to win. You know, Stetson can just realize when to take a chance, when not to take a chance, when not to put his team in a bad situation, which it, it comes with time. Uh, I see him taking a big step forward this year. All right, last one for you. Tell me about um, Players Lounge, how it fits in with yeah. Georgia's Classic City Collective specifically. I know y'all just partnered up, but uh, just the broader scope, uh, how does it fit into this new NIL landscape for players, but also for fans? Yeah, I mean, the goal of, I think, both the collective and us and why we're excited to part with them is to give these players an opportunity, one, to make money. I think that's obviously, we, we all know that's a part of the game, but do it in a way that, that really showcases their, their personality, their interests outside of sports, and it connects with the fans. I think a perfect example this past weekend uh, we were able to get Kendall Milton. Kendall came to us and said, hey man, you know, I love cars, I love racing cars and, and all that. So we partnered with BMW. Uh, we sold five digital tickets, uh, NFTs with Kendall and BMW. If you're one of the guys that bought them or gals, you got to go on a BMW experience with Kendall. And it was amazing, they had a blast. Uh, and it's five fans opportunity to go out there and hang with Kendall uh, outside of football to really get to know who he is behind the mask and we're doing some stuff with Ladd and Ryland and some other players as well where you just like I said you get to know who they are not just a football player but the kid who loves racing or video games or golf or whatever their said talent is outside of the sport so we're excited about it we're excited just to bring fans and players together uh, in this new world yeah I think it's one of the most exciting things obviously I'm biased from a media standpoint but I think from the fans you know they get to know you the players a lot more so all right Aaron appreciate it man I Thanks appreciate it thank you yep go dogs go dogs man uh you guys have anything else before we wrap up this segment and head into the Independence Day break watch out for uh Georgia and Daniel Harris moving forward that's going to be a recruitment I think that they're going to be a major player in he's soon to commit uh Kelton Smith another guy you'll want to be watching here in the next couple weeks how about Raylan Wilson decommitting Jake Hey, boy, that was, I guarantee you, Glenn Schumann was rubbing his hands together uh, all over that one, man. I mean, I, that's, that was an exciting one for Georgia. I put my pick in as soon as he decommitted for Georgia. I think that the Bulldogs will be the landing spot. Troy Bowles is another guy. So, uh, look, you know, summer's here, but that means that uh, everything's in full swing. A lot of these guys want to get their decisions out of the way before the fall season starts. And I think Georgia going to benefit heavily from many of these recruitments.
Yeah, and as we turn the calendar from June to July, I mean, we we just get closer and closer by the day to football season. Uh, within three weeks, we will be at SEC Media Days, Wes and I, and, and intern Jack as well. Um, excited about that. Um, you know, it, it'll be here before we know it, and I'm sure we'll get back on here to talk about it before then, what we expect to hear, what we want to hear. Um, but... You know, I'm getting excited as we get closer and closer by the day. Uh, Fall camp will be here before you know it. Kickoff to the season will be here before you know it. Uh, And and it kind of all gets going. The the chaos gets started. Um, It gets hectic here as soon as SEC Media Days roll around. Gets hectic for us, but I hope you all have a restful weekend, a safe holiday weekend, and we will catch you next time. Here on Dog Walk Talk, if you're freeloading this episode and not a subscriber to Dogs HQ, that's okay. Go check us out for free for seven days right now, dogshq.com. Just got tagged yesterday on the Texas message board, which a lot of uh, premium subscription sites don't allow you to do is chat back and forth with, you know, your rivals or other teams or check out what they have going on on their message boards, which is a great feature of On3. So uh, check us out for free for seven days if you aren't already. And uh, we appreciate your listening to this episode and reading our words. We'll catch you next time on Dog Walk Talk. Happy 4th.